and pro. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Christmas. Is a one-hour open-line talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. To express your viewpoint, please call 804-754-1988. That's 804-754-1988. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. He was an advisor at the permanent mission of the Holy See to the United Nations. He was ordained as a Roman Catholic priest in Rome at the age of 22, received a doctorate in biblical theology before the age of 24 there in Rome. He earned a master's degree in sociology, later other degrees in canon law at the Lateran University in Rome. He's joining us here today. He says he is a son of the church, and he's declaring his remembrances here today on Viewpoint. His name, Monsignor Hilary Franco, and as I indicated to him shortly before the program began, I'm not going to call you Monsignor because the word Monsignor actually means my Lord, and he and I have only one Lord, and that is Jesus Christ. So Monsignor is not actually uh, an earned title of sorts. It's a uh, almost like a celebrity title, but uh, he is joining us here today to talk very frankly concerning his experiences with six popes in the Roman Catholic Church. Hilary Franco joining us here live on Viewpoint today to talk about these experiences and to interweave with those experiences many of the issues that we're facing today and the role of the Pope and the Roman Catholic Church. So, uh, Hillary, it's good to have you back on the program here. It is so wonderful to be with you. I, uh, you know, those kind of titles don't mean, they never meant any, any, anything to me, you know. So, well, that's good. I, I'm so glad a, my father uh, was a pastor for 50 years, and his father right. and mother were both pastors. My mother's uh, father was a pastor, and I pastored for 35 years. So I don't even necessarily ask people to call me pastor. They will use that as a term of description of what I do, but not a title for who I am. And my father always rejected the idea of people calling him reverend. He said, I am Charles Chrismeyer Jr., your pastor. What makes me so reverend? Okay, that's wonderful. So in any event, that kind of sets the tone for our conversation here today on Viewpoint. And uh, it is a delight. I have been looking forward to this ever since I saw your book come across my desk. You call Uh, yourself... By the way, I'm still still an advisor here. uh, I'm in my office right now. uh, uh, The Holy See Mission Mission, uh, to the United Nations is uh, actually uh, a a place where we are representing a state. As you do know, the United Nations, we have 193 delegations from all over the world. Right. And we are uh, one of those delegations, not as a religion or a a religious group, you know, so to speak, but as a state. So uh, sometimes, you know, people might think, you know, that, we are representing Catholics who are Christians, whatever. We are just uh, a state. 
Yeah, that's All right. why well, you I know, I am so glad that you mentioned that, Hillary, because right. uh, I think a lot of people confuse, even Catholics are confused with yes. regard to the Vatican uh-huh. and uh, and actually the uh, the faith once delivered to the saints. And uh, you have just cleared that up because the Vatican is the smallest state in the world. That is correct. S- some that would argue correct. it's the most powerful, even well, though it doesn't have an army. What say uh-huh. you? Whatever, you know, I don't believe uh, is the most, well, naturally, uh, that, what does it mean to have to be powerful that we have to Well, there you go. Am I right? <laughs> that, thank you so, so much. And, okay. you know, our, our conversation today, I think, is going to clear up a lot of things, probably sure. not everything in the world, but uh, many oh, things. Wow. And I'm so glad yeah. that you have taken the time uh, to join us. Now, your your role is representative, almost like an ambassador, uh, from the Vatican to the United Nations. Uh, so where just, is your office? Yeah, I am uh, uh, just an advisor to uh, the permanent representative, you know, okay. and, uh, and uh, I have been here now eight years, and uh, I, uh, well, our office is on uh, 25 East 39th Street, is between the uh, uh, Madison and Park Avenue. That's our, one of our, let's say, the office, uh, like uh, so many other delegations, you know, the 193 delegations right. have offices. Not, uh, some people might say uh, you have offices in uh, the United States building. No, we do not. None of us have. So uh, uh-huh. we are uh, kind of, we walk to the United Nations, you know, for meetings. Well, During some, have, some of, have referred to New York, New York as Babylon. <laughs> well, yes, they're right in so many different ways. <laughs> I do have to tell you that walking here in uh, in this great uh, city of uh, New York, I walk a lot, you know, and I, uh, uh, I, uh, it was kind of sad that during this time of pandemic mm-hmm. to uh, go around and see hotels closed and. Uh, uh, restaurants, whatever, any activities, so to speak. Now, in the last uh, couple of months, you know, we are seeing uh, uh, reopenings, and, and that is really encouraging for all of us. So uh, we do walk from uh, our offices. We go uh, for meetings at uh, the United Nations building. Uh, that building is just for the Secretary General and the staff. Mm-hmm so to speak, to the United Nations. I want to clarify this. That's All right. right. Well, good. Some people might say, well, that's far away from the United Nations building. Yes, it is, Well, uh, because none of us are there. Well, Hillary, you say that you uh, represent the Vatican and not yes. the religious Roman no. Catholic Church. No. That would Absolutely. seem to me that uh, the Vatican represents, what should we say, all, almost the ultimate merger of church and state. Uh, How would you respond to that? Not really, not really. We always keep uh, the two entities uh, very distinct. It has nothing to do with religion. However, the moral issues uh, and the, all the problems that have related to values, that's what we are defending. We are defending, naturally, with conventions. Uh, remember, we are only uh, have an observer mission, remember, uh-huh. That we are not members. We do not vote. Uh-huh. We, uh, actually, it was uh, St. John Paul II who decided, no, 
no vote for us. And, and I'll tell you why, because when we have uh, voting on uh, very difficult issues, you know, uh, it comes to mind, you know, right now, uh, let's say the embargo on Cuba, let's say, you know, but you have, uh, uh, you, you may uh, either say yes, be, uh, like uh, in the, uh, the green and the green light appears in front of you, or you might say no, and that's the red, or you might abstain. But in uh, any of these cases, uh, you are taking sides. Actually. All right. And, 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 and I understand, I think our listeners can understand why that might be. We're going to right. be back after this break, friends. We're talking with uh, Hilary Franco, bearing the title of Monsignor, uh, given to him by the Pope. But uh, he, his life spans six popes. He says he's the son of the church, and he's going to give us some of his remembrances. We'll be right back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm, I'm Chris Meyer. I urge you to join me daily on I'm, Viewpoint, I'm where we discuss uh, the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral uh, slide relate the, uh, to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on okay. this radio station it's, or anytime at okay. saveus.org. Well, such is the life and times of live broadcasting from the representation of the Vatican at the UN in New York, even as our guest today during the break received a call, probably in his official capacity there, and uh, that's just the way it is, friends. Life is moving forward, and it's always moving. Our guest today, uh, Hilary Franco, who, whose life spans six popes. He uh, became a, uh, a priest there in Rome in, at the age of 22, and uh, then uh, at the age of 24, uh, something very uh, interesting happened to you. What was that, Hillary? Well, that, that was not, not even, I, I was not even 20, 24 was uh, before I, uh, was my birthday, actually, in that month, you know, but on the 3rd of July, uh, uh, the following year, I was 23 and almost 24, I defended my first doctorate dissertation mm. uh, in, in biblical theology. So it was on the first three chapters of Genesis. Oh, wow, the first three chapters of Genesis. And right correct. now, for the past... Yeah. Uh, for the past 150 years or more, the first yeah. 11 chapters of Genesis have been under attack everywhere in the world, haven't they? Yeah, well, I know, but uh, uh, those three chapters reminded me of something which, uh, I, you know, as a young man, uh, Chuck, when you were young, you always have these kind of uh, ideas, you know, and I loved uh, the the Hebrew language, the classical Hebrew language, just as a young man. Mm-hmm. So I was going through the uh, the text, uh, and I said to myself, probably the people that are listening to me might say, well, wait, now that's really uh, something that goes beyond the proper orthodoxy at that time, especially. I was 20 years old, and I, uh, I said to myself, there is something here which I do not understand, because... Uh, uh, the uh, 
there was a distinction between, uh, so clear, as you do know, between Evan, uh, which was like, like say, uh, uh, the state of New York, and then uh, then you have the garden, G-A-N, which was the garden itself, within, mm-hmm. like, the state of New York, let's say. Oh, I New see. York. Okay. Okay. And then then uh, there is a uh, distinction, very clear distinction in the, in the text between uh, these uh, Evan, Gan, and the Adama, which is the earth. So, which means they were thrown out. There was a small word that really attracted my attention, was min, which means from, uh, all. So, there was some kind of a clear distinction between uh, Evan, Gan, and the Adama. Okay. I said, wow, this is really interesting. So I went to my professor of biblical theology at that time. Uh-oh. I mentioned this, and they said, that, well, well, let's... Uh, he, he immediately uh, told me, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so the following day, however, you know, the such a, a great expert, he said, well, I, I looked at the text, and you were right. So let's talk about other things. You know, but then uh, a, uh, a a new professor came. You know, and uh, and as soon as I uh, spoke to him, he said, "No, no, you you should pursue this, and and that should be the uh, your uh, your thesis uh-huh. or your doctorate." And uh, and that that was my indeed what I proved because you know actually uh, up until that time, all the scholars of the world were. Uh, kind of trying to find a location on Earth of the earthly paradise. Mm. Well, I, I, proved that, I proved at that time that it was just a preternatural place created by God just for dedication All for right. our first town. Well, it's so, interesting, if we go back to Genesis chapter 1 to 3, there are two yeah. words or phrases that stand out as the singular fulcrum of the entire Bible. Uh, the first is, and God said. Yeah. And God said seven times, and God said. And then yep. we have the shift once God brings Eve into the picture with Adam and marries them. Then comes Lucifer, Satan, uh, the deceiver, yep. and asks a famous or infamous question, Hath God said? That is the fulcrum over which all humanity since yeah. has stumbled, yeah. including professing Christians everywhere, whether they be Catholic or Protestant. And quite frankly, that, I think, is going to be the fulcrum issue over whether or not people will be prepared for the second coming of Jesus Christ. What say you? Yes. Well, you know, we, uh, you and I know that the, uh, uh, our uh, faith is in Jesus Christ. Whatever he told us, whatever he's teaching us, uh, we have to follow whatever we see in the Gospels right. and uh, the, the Holy Books. And actually, we have, a, as you do know, a great preparation on the Old Testament, the prophets and whatever, and, and even the patriarchs before. But now we have uh, the new light that has come to us, you know, uh, this morning I preached on uh, on, on, uh, on five, uh, uh, you know, uh, three of uh, of Matthew. You know, you are 
the, the salt of the earth, the uh-huh. light of the world. That's right. what we are. And actually, people out there, they need to, they need to have a, a little bit of salt. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, not good in the, uh, in the, uh, in, when, in the kitchen, you know. Right. Well, I you're, don't not know calling, you're not calling us to be salty characters with our speech either. Uh, we're right. we're called to season our society uh, with correct. the life of Christ. Now, I want yeah. to move forward because you and I, I, I have a feeling that you and I could talk for hours. Yes. Uh, I think you and I have the ability to talk for hours about many, many things. Yes. But first of all, let's lay a further foundation here uh, in the nature of your book, Six Popes, and... Yes. Uh, you go back, what was the very first pope that you were uh, associated with who actually gave you special dispensation ahead of time uh, to become a priest? Well, usually, according to our law, the kind of law of the church at that time, you have to be at least 24. And uh, I I had finished, you know, my uh, at the university, I had... Uh, at that time, I was a little bit intelligent, so I, I had the well, I would say almost uh, the highest marks in the university at that time mm-hmm. in Rome. So they said, "Well, you are ready," and I said, "Well, I can wait." And I said, "No, no, no. Whatever the superiors say, you know, we had to follow." And uh, uh, I, I actually, uh, the the Pope who uh, granted me that dispensation was Pius XII. So we we are going back. We're going back. You know, mm. you're a young man, Chuck. You know, uh, uh, I'm kind of uh, not that young. So let me put it that way. <laughs> so, and, uh, and, and in, other, that, in uh, other words, as Abraham said, you have a long pilgrimage. <laughs> that's right. Yes. <laughs> yes. But thank God that we are here, you know, together and we're talking about yeah. this. So. I uh, I uh, I had this uh, dispensation, and then I went on. You know, I I had all these years in the priesthood uh, of Jesus Christ, and I uh, I have to tell you that I have been uh, uh, so privileged. My goal was to be always with the people of God. That was my goal. And then you know uh, you have the providential plan of God that sometimes brings you here and there. So what what happened was that I was uh, kind of called. I was only uh, four years ordained when I, I, uh, I met. I was meeting for the first time uh, someone special. That, uh, that was also uh, the subject of one of my, uh, another book that I wrote. You're talking Fulton about Sheen. Uh, Bishop Fulton, Fulton Sheen. Right, Fulton J. Sheen, mentor and friend. So, uh, uh, and that is a book actually uh, uh, based on uh, over a hundred handwritten letters that he wrote to me while I I was in Rome in the Vatican, and he was here until he died. Well, now, a lot of people his, would not be would not know how to relate to him, but yeah. uh, he was immensely popular as a Catholic bishop in the 1950s, wasn't he? Well, I I would say, uh, Chuck, if you allow me, he was uh, one of the earliest uh, ecumenists, I would say, because, you know, he, uh, he, he was Catholic, yes, but he was Christian more than anything else. Uh, and I, uh, he would embrace all, our, uh, all of you, naturally, you call yourself 
Protestant, whatever, you know, but we are all Christians. And uh, I, we have a, a, a small audience. Uh, I hope, uh, Chuck, you have a, uh, an audience like that. First on radio and then on television, we had almost 40 million people, you know, wow. and our, our actually audience was 40% Catholic, 30% Jewish, and 30% Protestant. Did you know that? I didn't know that, but I do know yep. that there was a lot of uh, uh, scuttlebutt. Uh, in fact, there was a lot of uh, disconcertion across the country in various spheres, both Catholic and Protestant, uh, that uh, uh, Bishop Sheen actually uh, was a liberal and uh, was very disconcerting to many people. No, no, absolutely not. I uh, I uh, I lived with the man. I I uh, worked with the man. I I would like to clarify this issue. Actually, he used to tell us you know, all the time uh, that he never liked those kind of labels. You know, uh-huh. conservative and liberal. No, he said that's horrible. Yeah, we are Christians. We might have different opinions. You know, but uh, no, no, absolutely, he was not liberal at all, just the opposite. Well, it's interesting because on this program, uh, we almost never use the word conservative or liberal or any of these labels unless it's in something that we're quoting, uh, because oftentimes these labels become libels and prevent us from actually uh, talking about things that really matter. Now, your book is a hardbound book, just came out. It's a $25 book, Six Popes, A Son of the Church Remembers, and I want to make it available to our listeners here today. By the way, uh, you need to know that we have many, many Catholic listeners to this program. In fact, I'll quote some of them. Some of them have said, Chuck, you're the best Catholic I know. Except for your view of, <laughs> except for your view of Mary and the Pope. <laughs> so anyway, I love Mary. I love Mary. <laughs> okay, here is the uh, here's the book. And I friends. obey the Pope. A $25 book, yours for $19. It's on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org. You can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. You're writing a check at $5 for postage handling. You're going to find a very interesting history here of a man who has been there, an eyewitness to 60 years of history and the interrelationship within the Catholic Church, even from the position of the Vatican, the papacy, and now with the uh, uh, United Nations. And we're going to open up, and he well knows this, we're going to open up a whole lot of issues in the second session of this program here, the the time that follows. And I hope you'll stay tuned Because this is a conversation from the heart, an effort to try to understand a world that is becoming increasingly difficult to manage. The world is in chaos. Christ wants to undo that chaos. But what does that look like? What does that feel like when Protestants and Catholics and now uh, Jewish people and uh, all the religions of the world are seeking to meld themselves together What does this mean? Why is it that some of the popes have actually seeming to cooperate as if 
all the religions can be united as one. Is that right. true? We're going to talk about that after this coming break. So be prepared there, uh, Monsignor Hillary Franco. Be prepared because yep. uh, we're about yep. to enter in to real life here. Your, uh, Thank you. your Thank you. uh, role has covered uh, the most recent popes, uh, John Paul II and right. uh, Benedict, and now Francis. Uh, those mm-hmm. have covered about uh, 35, 40 years now uh, of more recent than history, more than, more that. than that. Yeah. And so that's where we'll put uh, much of our focus uh, in the uh, coming half hour. So, friends, again, our guest, Hilary Franco, given the title Monsignor by the Pope because of his, uh, well, long-standing respect within the Vatican and the Roman Catholic Church. We'll be right back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, on the front page are two great videos. First, an interview and discussion of Chuck's book, Out of Egypt. Also, a great TV interview with Chuck regarding his book, Seduction of the Saints. Much more videos, a For Pastors Only section, and also you can view Chuck's weekly teachings. All at his website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Also on Chuck's website, listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast. Listen to the archives. Maybe you missed a program. Check it out at saveus.org. Also, there are some great resources, hospitality information, also information about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, newsletters, articles, prophecy, prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. We have a very interesting conversation going here today as we hear the horns in New York blaring uh, there at the United Nations, where our guest, uh, Hillary Franco, representing the Vatican, is there. He's joining us concerning his latest book, Six Popes, Son of the Church Remembers. Now, we, we can't go through all six of these unless we had four or five hours. So we're going to go back to John Paul II. Right. Uh, that was a very interesting uh, papacy for many reasons, uh, one being that he was the first non-Italian to become pope in what, 400 years, something like that? Yes, yes, uh, 500. 500 uh, yeah. years. Well, you know, for the churches, you don't know, 100 or 200 to 400 years don't mean that much. You know, because two thousand years is a long time. Uh-huh. But you know, let me uh, let me uh, clarify what I wanted to say. You know, uh, to finish what we were saying about Fulton J. Sheen. Actually, as you do know, uh, Billy Graham, who was uh, a great admirer of uh, Fulton J. Sheen, uh, when uh, he was present at the funeral, uh, nineteen seventy-nine, when uh, the, the bishop died, and all the other. Uh, important people were present, you know, and mm-hmm. actually Billy Graham said, you know, he was uh, perhaps the greatest communicator of the 20th century. So wow. it was was uh, something that people, our people, our listeners, you know, should know, you know, and there are so many other things. But anyhow, going back to the Pope, yeah. I, uh, I, I, I was 
very young, you know, and I, I, I did have a, a, a great contact before I became a, a, a priest. I was ordained a priest, you know, with someone by the name of Angelo Giuseppe Roncalli, who later on would become uh, uh, Pope uh, uh, John XXIII. You know, he, he actually convened the council, the Second Vatican Council, okay. in 1962 on the 11th of uh, October. We started. Well, that, that makes I, you a very old person. Yes, but uh, <laughs> it's all right. Not, not, uh, not uh, if you compare it to eternity, what is, uh, what is age? Am I right? I was a younger paritus uh, at that time. A younger uh, version uh, of who you are, okay. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but it's... Uh, it, I was very young at that time, and I had the privilege of being at, at the council. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, uh, I I have to tell you that uh, uh, when uh, he was uh, elected in 1978, he was 77 years old. And we figured, well, how long can he well can be a pope? And sure enough, he uh, stayed until uh, the 3rd of June in 19. Uh, uh, 79, was it? Well, he, no, no, we are talking about John the 23rd now. Oh, okay. uh, We're talking about from 58 to 63. Mm -hmm. And that year, I remember that I, uh, I went, uh, uh, when I heard, uh, you know, what had happened, you know, twice, I, I went to my, my church and I actually prayed and cried actually twice. That was on the 3rd of June uh, when Pope uh, John Twenty-Third died. And actually, I had also prayed when our president was assassinated, you know, on mm. the 22nd of, uh, of November. So, 1963, uh, right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he's, uh, 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 he was a tremendous uh, uh, human being, uh, not only a pope, but he was a friend. And then... Uh, we went out naturally uh, with Paul the Sixth. It was a, a, a saintly man who suffered a lot. You know, was uh, misinterpreted. You know, misunderstood. You know, but he continued the council, and that was really a challenge. Uh, I, I don't think probably that you and I, Chuck, you know, would have continued the council at that time. We would have said, "They listen." Now the Pope uh, that convened the council is. Is is gone, so that's it, you know. But Paul the Sixth mm. had the, the courage to do it, so we give uh, credit to him. And also on social issues, you know, he he was very very adamant, you know, mm-hmm. kind of uh, defending whatever. Well, he kind of kind that. of very different than Pope Francis, and we're going to uh, get to that. We've got to move yes. a little more quickly here. Yes, uh, let's jump to uh, John Paul the Second. That is correct. Uh, John Paul yeah. II, well, uh, his papacy lasted, what, 27 years, something, 25 years? Right. He Actually, uh, the longest uh, uh, pontificate, you know, was the, that of the St. Peter, the apostle. Then after St. Peter, we have the, uh, Pius IX, who was the second longest, uh, 1846 to 1878, uh, uh, mm-hmm. that was Pius IX. And then we come to our beloved John Paul II, who was from 78 to 2005. All right, there are two things that stand out to me in my memory of John Paul II. 
Uh, one has to do with his role with Ronald Reagan and perhaps yep. even uh, yep. uh, the Prime Minister of, uh, of England, Margaret Thatcher, yep. in bringing yep. down the Iron Curtain and uh, uh, taking away at least the apparent role, uh, powerful role of communism in the world. And uh, so Pope John Paul II and uh, uh, Ronald Reagan were credited with that, together with the Iron Lady, Margaret Thatcher. Now, uh, here's what concerns me about that. If you go to, I have read the 750-page book uh, by Malachi Martin called The Keys of This Blood. And have you read that book? Um. Oh, you need to read that book. You really need to read that book, The Keys of This Blood. And uh, basically, he says that at that time that the Pope, John Paul II, saw communism and Russia as the number one problem in the world, that if they could bring that down, then... He, as heading up the Vatican and the Roman Catholic Church, could then bring about, shall we say, the global dominion of the Roman Catholic Church without the interference of communism. That seemed to be the thrust of uh, Malachi Martin, who was a Vatican insider. And he said that globalism and geopolitics was one of the principal focuses of John Paul II. How do you respond? Right. Okay. Well, first of all, you know, uh, I I believe uh, Malachi was was uh, part of the Vatican, but then he left. You know, so I want right. to clarify that issue. So uh, uh, I I I have to tell you this. You know, I uh, I feel that we are talking about a man who had really suffered. And uh, the Nazi occupation of Poland. Okay, <laughs> let's go back there. All right. So that was, oh, really, yeah. you know, the, and then what happens? He is uh, ordained a, a priest, uh, uh, like he was uh, a, uh, a, a a seminarian, you know. But unfortunately, he could not tell the world that he was a seminarian, you know. So uh, at that time, it was kind of catacombs in those days in Poland. Mm. But he. Studied and he wanted to be a priest, even though at uh, the beginning his goal was to be an actor. And then uh, when he was ordained... Uh, well, wait know, a minute. Uh, I thought that was your goal. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Until I was 18. Until I was Okay. 18. okay. <laughs> is, well, is that the universal prerequisite for, for the No, papacy? not necessarily. Oh, okay. No, no, no. As you can see, I'm not both. That's correct. <laughs> Touche. So, so, uh, so going back to him, you know, he suffered a lot, so much so that he was ordained by his archbishop uh, in the private chapel. Can you imagine that? Even in a church, you know, he could not. And the, the situation was what it was. Mm-hmm. So then uh, he is a, a very young, uh, he's named a very young auxiliary bishop of Krakow. And in this vest, he will come and join the council, the Second Vatican Council. And that's where we met for the first time. Okay. I was a young priest on the council, 
And he was this young priest who became rather, you know, uh, not only acquainted, but more than acquainted, so to speak. Uh, even then, not no, naturally, who would ever know that the Polish Pope one day, you know, I mean, that, that it was unheard of. especially yeah, Exactly. Days. Now, there's so, another aspect about this. Uh, there's so much history that's interwoven through your book, yes. and I, we can't mm-hmm. go through all of that. That is but, correct. But uh, we've got to establish the foundations here. Yes. And, yeah. uh, and then move it forward. The yeah. other thing that stands out to me about uh, uh, Pope John Paul II is his convening of a gathering of the leaders of the religions of the world, about a hundred yeah. of them in Assisi, Italy. Assisi, Italy. And it was for a universal global prayer meeting. That is now, correct. Okay, so... We've established that. Now, here's my question. How can one who is represented as the vicar of Christ, standing in the place of Christ, seem to be choreographing the religions of the world into some sort of uh, uh, composite unity when they don't believe in Jesus Christ? Uh, See, uh, we have, uh, uh, then I I have to come in at this. I wanted to finish the story, <laughs> at least briefly, about uh, the second horrible experience that uh, young John Paul II had to deal with, and okay. that was communism. You All know, right. you're right, and uh, and that's why you know even as a, a bishop had to suffer so much. But uh, Chuck, I would like to say something uh, uh, personally that happened to me here at the United Nations. I was representing the mission at the Tillman Chapel of the. Church Center for the United Nations, at one event planned uh, by the Committee of Religions uh, during the World Interfaith Harmony Week. Every every year we have a, a World Inter- Interfaith Harmony Week, uh-huh. sponsored by the UN Alliance of Civilization. All right, here's what now, I want you to hold that thought. We're going into okay. a break, and we'll pick up with okay. that after okay. the break. Okay. Thanks okay. So, so much. Friends, we're talking with uh, Hillary Franco. Uh, his book, Six Popes, A Son of the Church Remembers. It's a $25 book, yours for $19 on our website, saveus.org. Fascinating book. We'll be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. All right, we're back with Hilary Franco here. His book, Six Popes, A Son of the Church Remembers. The book is actually loaded with uh, his memories 
and the various people that he has been associated with, uh, he is what you might call the ultimate insider, the ultimate insider within the Vatican and uh, all of the things that have transpired over the past, uh, say, 60 years uh, there in the Vatican. He's joining us here today, and uh, his memories are so vast and the interrelationships are so vast, he wants to share all these with us. Unfortunately, it would take us uh, probably 10 hours of conversation no, in please. order to do that. So yep. pick up where we left off there, if you would. Yes, yes. I, uh, uh, well, first of all, uh, thank you again for having me, uh, Chuck. Thank you. But, uh, you know, I was saying, uh, go back, going back to what I was saying before, you know, we have every week, uh, here at the United Nations, the World Interfaith Harmony Week. All religions in the world naturally are represented at the United Nations. I was I was invited. I was one of the speakers, and there were naturally many faiths around the world. Uh, there were, I remember there was the Shinto who stated that, that they are being in existence for about 10,000 years. Uh, all these religious affiliations were there. Mm-hmm. So what I said were very briefly was this. And that goes, I hope, uh, uh, to answer whatever the, the question that you asked me. I, I mentioned in my, my brief uh, speech that we all have, and we should never forget this, we have a common denominator called humanity. And all of us are called to build a future of peace founded on that humanity. And I, I remember quoting, you know, also... Anthony Padua, you know, who uh, at one point he wrote, actions speak louder than words. Let your words teach and your actions speak. And I added also that Pope Francis opened his arms like fleshy columns of Bernini and embraced the world, something that has been done also by uh, St. John uh, the 23rd. He uh, invited not only uh, uh, Protestants, but also the the, uh, the Jewish people, and so much so when he uh, received the first uh, group of Jewish people, you know, he came out, actually, he came down from his throne, and he said, here's Joseph, your brother. Going hmm. back to whatever you know, we have in the Old Testament. So, what I mean is we should always keep in mind that we have only one. We are all human beings, and all right. we are that is true, but the question... It's saved by Jesus himself, you know. Okay, that, that but if we're point. saved by Jesus himself, the question then is, why did Pope John Paul II bring together all the religions of the world for a common prayer meeting when obviously they could not pray to Jesus Christ because they didn't even believe in Jesus Christ? But why did they, he do that? They did believe uh, in a supreme being, you know, and that's the creator. Going back, you know, to the my experience with the uh, with the uh, Book of Genesis, you know, he created all of us. Am I right? right. Uh, but that's God. starting starting to sound an awful lot like what is called universalism. That if no. you believe in a, a no. supreme being, we're all together. Uh, actually, we're all one faith. And it doesn't matter whether you believe in Jesus Christ or not, oh, no, whether you're converted no. or not. No, I, I, I do not intend to, to give uh, that impression. Okay. Just the opposite. 
That's why this kind of conversation is so important. I would like to say that, you know, that Jesus, as the second person of the Blessed Trinity, Mm -hmm. came on this planet in order to save the world, not only, you know, not naturally, who knows, probably uh, there's other universes out there, you know, (laughs) and and he (laughs) definitely wanted to save all of us, not only one particular section of Absolutely. That is, that is a yeah. given. That is true. Now, I want to leap from this. I have in front of me an article that came out from, uh, actually, I think the Vatican. Uh, the head is Pope Francis picked to lead one world religion. And here's what it says. The former Israeli president and Nobel Peace Prize winner, Shimon Peres. That's right. Had an audience, a private audience with Pope Francis on -hmm. September 4th, 2014, where Perez proposed the founding of a United Religions organization modeled after the United Nations. And it goes on to say, like the UN Charter, he said, there should be a United Religions Charter and Pope Francis should be the leader of the United Religions organization. What's who, that you? Who, no, whoever whoever wrote that article. I mean, I'm not aware of uh, of what happened in the private meeting. You know, of uh, the president at that time. Well, the so Vatican spokesman uh, Federico Lombardi S.J. indicated that Perez's proposal was a new idea for Francis, but he was uh, uh, taking it under consideration. Uh, I see. This is the point was taking under consideration means that we always receive ideas, you know, from uh, whomever. You know, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> we we have so many uh, people around the world that we speak to and with, and, uh, and we are uh, together. And then we, uh, we, we uh, consider, you know, whatever they, uh, other opinions uh, uh, other people are saying, you know, but not necessarily follow through. Okay. <laughs> With that in mind, and, and I can accept that, with that in mind, I'm looking at uh, an issue of Arut Sheva, Israel National News, January 2nd, 2013. This is uh, during uh, Benedict's reign, right. and uh, here's what it says. An historic agreement has uh, been drafted. You said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Chuck. Did you say 2013? That's correct. Well, uh... What, what day? Because, you know, uh, as you do know, he resigned on the 11th uh, of February, 2013. Yeah, but this is, this is before that. This is a, oh, okay. over a month okay. before that. Okay. An historic agreement has been drafted between Israel and the Vatican. The Israeli authorities have granted the Pope an official seat in the room of the Last Supper on Mount Zion in Jerusalem, where David and Solomon and Jewish kings of Judea. This is an enormous issue, says the article. Uh, this gives the Pope a special authority on the Temple Mount, on Mount Zion. And uh, the question is, what are the implications of this? A seat for the Pope at King David's tomb? No, uh, no, no implication. We, we don't. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not aware of this, so I, I cannot uh, uh, comment on this, you know, because this is really 
not the aim uh, of uh, we we always try to keep a good relationship with all the states, right. including the state of Israel. You know, but these are like uh, would say uh, are kind of uh, nice gestures on, on the part of the people that go uh, and uh, and have an audience with the Holy Father. Most probably, you would do the same thing. You know, if you would have an audience with the Pope, right. you would offer something, and probably this was one of. Uh, a, a gesture of kindness towards uh, the Holy Father at the time. You know, okay. but I, I understand you know, that. We're, we, yeah. You and I are just tr- kind of thinking out loud here together. Uh, there right. may be things that you're not aware of, things that I'm not aware of, and right. I, I'm trying to work some things out here. And, and basically, we're just getting started. I hope that we would have uh, a further audience together maybe in the near future. Mm-hmm. But I have in front of me... Uh, Pope calls for new world order. Over and over again, Pope Francis has called for a new world order, a new economic order, a change of the currency, everything different. But he's not the only one. Pope Benedict did the same thing. And right. Pope John the Paul, Paul II, also right. called for a new world order. What yeah. do you make of that? What, what's this all I, about? I can, t- I can tell you this. This has been on the line of uh, a Pope for a long, long time. I know. Don't forget that we have a, we have a Pope going back uh, uh, to the 19th century, a tremendous man by the name of Leo XIII, who was Pope from uh, 1878 to nine, uh, 1903. And uh, one of the most uh, important documents in social teachings, which is called the Rerum Novarum, of the new things. You know, and, and he mentioned this very clearly in this great, important, you know, Magna Carta of uh, the social doctrine of the Church. So that, that goes back to those days, and it continued with the other uh, popes, uh-huh. especially uh, when uh, uh, even Pius XI on the 40th uh, anniversary of the Verum Novarum uh, uh, gave uh, another, Padre Gesimuano, another beautiful uh, document. And then we come to uh, Paul VI, the Populorum Progressio, which was one of the greatest uh, encyclicals of, uh, of the Pope, and he's always insisting on this. Naturally, Francis is just going back to what, you know, had happened. John Paul II did the same thing. Okay. So what you're saying is this, what you're confirming is that this has been a long-standing vision of the papacy. Now, let me bring this up before, let me bring this up before we finish here. This is coming from the Vatican News. Um, It was in early February of 2019, ushering in a momentous event, the joint signing of a covenant called the Document on Human Fraternity for yeah. World Peace and Living yeah. Together. Yeah. And it was signed by the Grand Imam of Al-Azhar, Ahmed El Tayeb, the, the yes. head of Sunni Islam, mm-hmm. and the Roman Pope, Pope Francis, and here it was, for a one-world religion. That is, the, the, that's what it says. The historic ceremony was held in front of religious leaders of all faiths and was called by the Vatican a beautiful document. What say yes. you? Definitely, there is no doubt that was an historic moment, actually, uh, in so many different ways. But they were not talking about religion. They were talking about, uh, a, a, you might say, a new, a new world, you know, that's just like uh, what we are 
hoping that one day will be. You know, we are a, again, I'm repeating myself, but we have that common denominator, which we call humanity, and uh-huh. that we should always insist on that. You know, we, and this humanity has been saved by our Lord Jesus Christ. The, the whole humanity eventually was saved by him. And then, uh, unfortunately... You mean if, until, only if they received him? Uh, exactly. I was coming to that. Okay, good. Until, <laughs> until, until uh, everyone will be coming to understand what is the message of the Son of God, until then, we will have to be together and, and try to uh, find common ground, always thinking of that uh, common uh, denominator, which is called humanity. Okay. That part of it is, is easy to understand. Right. And that leads us uh, to the final issue, uh, and that is the pursuit of what is called globalism. Uh, it's an ism. It's a belief system that has uh, that is gripping the world. And uh, I not long ago finished reading a book called Pope Francis: uh, The Path of Change in Politics and Society. And the opening page says he has worked for many years on issues of globalization. Then, as you open the book, how can the church contribute to globalization today? In fact, the theme of the entire book is the Vatican and the pursuit of globalization. What say you? Are we really going to save the world through globalization? Is this part of the gospel? How do we interrelate the gospel? We're going to, I, I'm going to have to leave that question before you uh, because we're, we've run out of time. But would you possibly be willing to join me again on Viewpoint? to pick up more of these kinds of issues that are so confusing to so many people. I, I would be happy to do so, you know, but I, I do believe uh, firmly that uh, the good Lord came to save all humanity. And so until the moment when this will be, actually, you remember also our Lord telling us that eventually even the Jewish people will join, you know, in the salvation history. Yep. Until then. Okay, then we well, have, thank you so we much. We're right at the end here. I'm so sorry. The book, Six Popes, $24 book, years for $19. Hardbound, it's on our website, saveus.org. I hope you'll avail yourself of Very informative. God bless and be a blessing. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.